Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week, my guest is Pat from Born Free. Um, Pat chose Songs for the Deaf by Queens of the Stone Age, a record that I fucking love. Um, So it was very good to talk to someone who loves it as much as I do um, and deep dive into a bit about the band and a bit about the recording and stuff for this Pat is a drummer, I am, or I was a drummer, so we talk a lot about drums in this, so apologies if you don't like drums, um, but it was a fun chat, um, go check out Born Free, follow this podcast on the different things you can on social media and give us a rating and review if you feel like it, let me know if there's anyone you want to hear me talk to or records you want to hear me talk about, otherwise please enjoy episode 92 the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Pat from Born Free. Fucking brutal. Alright, Pat, thanks for doing this podcast with me. You are most welcome. Thanks for having me on board. Um, Alright, another person who has picked a record that I know back to front, which is fucking great, because um, I, I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, so you picked Songs of the Deaf by Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, man. Um, why did you pick this record? Oh, fuck. Just because it's awesome. Just yeah. listen to it. It's awesome. Like, it's a, f- it's a funny thing because most people who probably aren't that acquainted with them probably know the hits. And, a- like, I used to talk to friends and they'd be like, oh, you know, like kind of semi-write them off or whatever because, you know, they probably know, you know, go with the flow and, mm-hmm. and no one knows and whatever, like the shit that you hear on a tradies radio on Triple M. But <laughs> then when you really dive into the album and it's like I thought it was perfect for like the format of your show because it is one of those front to back records yeah. and like when I listened to it I definitely like I was just saying that to a mate because I was saying oh I'm going to do this thing and he's like oh that's sick like you know whatever and he was saying he'd picked it up and he's like yeah it's fucking like one of those ones I hadn't listened to for a while but like man front to back this is so good and I'm like man I reckon barely barely any time do I go into it and just play a song yeah for sure like just pick up the song and play a song i'm pretty much every time i listen to this record i start it at the start and play it to the end so anyway i just figured it was like i don't know good for the format <laughs> yeah no i mean 100 percent. like i mean i think anytime this is definitely a record that's like while it has undoubtedly their biggest songs on it um like yeah. their biggest singles it also is like I never put it on to listen to a song. Like I always put it on, crank the yeah. whole thing. Um, I think, I think for me, I mean, when do you remember when the first time you heard it was? Not exactly, but I would say it was pretty much the exact time it came out. Yeah, because I was a massive like Rage kid. Like I used to watch sure. heaps of Rage. I would, I would tape it. I would put a vhs in on a friday night or saturday night <laughs> and i would literally tape it overnight because all the metal stuff that was on at the time yeah, was it like would 3 a.m or something <laughs> yeah and i couldn't stay up to watch it because i'd have to fucking play footy on a saturday mm. or i don't know whatever i would like was never up that late 
And uh, yeah, I saw a tape it and would watch it on the rest of the weekend in my days. And uh, I reckon it was around that time that I, well, a backstory to it that I was already sort of into some of the other stuff because I do remember seeing the film clip for Feel Good Hit of the Summer off the last the record prior. Yeah. So I was already into like songs and stuff, but by the time this came out, I was like, twelve, thirteen years old or something. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I remember seeing the film clip, which is also really good for um, no one knows. And yeah, it's great. I just watched it the other day. Um, but yeah, I just I, I remember seeing that particularly like was like stuck out to me as like yeah, this song's sick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. That's kind of the first time, and I would say that was probably exactly around the time it came out. So. Yeah, I remember. Like this is the first thing. This is one of the first thing, first records that I really remember being like, um, part of more what would end up being like my adult taste in music. I suppose. Like, yeah, hundred percent. And like, I mean, I've liked it since the first time I heard it, and there's never mm-hmm. been a point where I've like gone off the band or gone off the records, but. For sure, like, this, I mean, this must have come out, I don't know, I can't remember when it came out, 2002 maybe? 2002, yeah. So, 2002, I would have been 14. So, like, I mean, when I, um, you know, when I heard that, like, I was already kind of into metal and things like that. And, Same. And, uh, but I remember it being, like, the one thing I heard on telly, like particularly no one knows, I remember being like the one thing I heard on telly that at the time I was like, oh, this is on, this is on Rage, yeah, but it's also on like video hits on, fully, yeah, <laughs> you know, fully. like, so it was yeah. starting to, tr- it was like, oh, this is where my taste is starting to transcend into like normal people stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, fully, fully. Um, yeah, I mean, the exact same story. I was already into like, a little bit of punk but mostly metal like i just yeah. i was like into sort of like california punk friends of rom that kind of shit but like was heavily listening to like definitely new metal was a big thing around yeah. that time and i was heaps into that but pantera and that kind of like i don't know entry level metal if you want to call yeah, it yeah sure yeah and, but, uh, i mean just far more accessible for your for your age yeah. at that time you know yeah but then i was also like Man, I was a sucker for Rage, so I was listening to like pretty much everything that was on that. Yeah, and you know, picking whatever out of it. But uh, yeah, I think you and I probably have a similar, sort of similar trajectory through that kind of yeah thing. Yeah. Well, I think, so. and I think as well, like it. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously like a hugely successful record, and certainly like their most successful thing. But I mean, yeah, I guess for me as well, like for sure, this was my proper. I suppose my proper intro to liking them more, like I think as well, like I'd probably heard other songs of theirs in the past, but never really associated this with them. But then this was like this, the record where like I got the record and then from here I started going and buying the other ones and looking into the band more. And yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, I think I, I don't even know that I paid attention to it at the time. I mean, I'm sure he was, like, just a familiar face in it. But, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I associate with this record, too, is, like, I mean, by by that age, I was playing drums. Like, I probably wasn't playing guitar yet, yeah. but I would have been playing drums. And yep. I think a big thing for me on this record is, like, 
this record to me is like it's about the drums drums yeah it's a big part of it yeah yeah and like i mean i think that obviously has a lot to do with the fact that it's dave Grohl playing drums on it but and i'm sure that you know i'm sure as part of creating the record that was something they were thinking of but like i mean obviously you're a drummer as well but for, Mm -hmm. for for me this record still is like it's a drum record. Like it, I listen to it because it's got oh. fucking greatest fills, yep. greatest beats, greatest like. I mean, so good. That song for the dead intro is like the classic, you know, sound check fucking drum beat. Now you know, <laughs> like, oh, hundred percent, and it's fucking hard. Dude, yeah, no, it was actually hard. Like I was, I went into practice on my own a little while ago. Like I don't know. Maybe we were going on tour or something. I can't remember. Anyway, but I went in and I was like practicing, obviously, our shit. But then I was just like, I'm just going to have a go at playing stuff that I like and, you know, whatever. And I was like, songs of the death. I'm putting that on and started jamming through the tracks. And for something that I've been listening to forever and know the drums, like, you know, back to front, pretty mm. much note for note perfect. I mean, it's not that technical, but it is in, in its sort of way, a sort of technical. Uh, it was fucking hard like yeah. really really hard i was like that like yeah particularly like song for the dead and stuff like mm. holy shit like i couldn't yeah. like there was parts of songs that i just was like it was actually so much more complex and like hard to play than i ever imagined yeah so like like one thing i was going to bring up eventually but like and i'll probably say it again but it's just kind of one of those things that like the more i've listened to it over time it's like keeps on giving like things that you can appreciate about it like the more you sort of dig into it yeah, and like sure. find things like and if it's one thing like that's one thing i could say right now is like yeah just how like technical some of the parts are particularly even just drum wise it was mm. like i never appreciated like you know that it was actually fucking difficult to play yeah <laughs> like, yeah you know for like just rock music it's you know flat out hard and really good on drums so yeah you know, well, I think there's like, I don't, I think it's the, I don't know if it's, it must be the, <coughs> the movie that Dave Grohl made about the Foo Fighters or like, I guess it's technically just about him really. But like, um, the, like, it's really interesting. Cause I guess he was like super burnt out on the Foo Fighters cause he'd, yeah. he'd kind of gone mm-hmm. straight from Nirvana ending like really abruptly, obviously into doing his own thing, but then not. I mean, maybe not seeing the immediate, like, outcome of that that he thought it would or planned yeah. for it or whatever. And then yeah. so he he just goes and joins this band that he likes. Yeah. And then the record that comes out because of that is this one and it, like, mm-hmm. blows up. And it's really yeah. interesting because I think, like, I can't remember if he mentions it in there, but he was like, you know, the, there was, like, a fairly good chance that he was just going to end the Foo Fighters and... Fuck be the yeah. drummer for queens of the stone age and like like it just it, it a, sorry go no like just where it got to now is just like it's so interesting that like i mean the foo fighters became like one of the biggest bands ever by him leaving queens of the yes. stone age like, so like i was actually having this thought today and i asked me that question well you know pose that uh, uh, you know non-reality kind of set up of like that happening that he stays in queens and whatever yeah, yeah. i asked me that 10 years ago and i would have been like he should have done it right yeah. but <laughs> yeah. to 
to a degree, I'm like, the way things went is the best way it went because his then replacement, Joey C, yeah, comes yeah. in, like, leaves Danzig to join this and then he does shit after it and he's just as good. And funnily, I kind of used to toast him thinking, no, nah, no, nah, he's not, like, as good as they yeah. and all this shit. But, like, he was a fucking weapon, or still is, like, an, yeah, a weapon a drummer. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, it's like funny and the way things go that, you know, then, yeah, Dave Grohl becomes this fucking, you know, rock and roll kind of icon guy. Weird icon <laughs> yeah. celebrity, like, you know, into this other dimension of thing. And then, you know, and then we get, I guess, what is the history we know. But yeah, like, I, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, I, I'll, I'll just do like a kind of, uh, for any of the uninitiated who might be listening to this, two people. Uh, <laughs> who might be listening to this and thinking, you know, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about or whatever. Obviously, there's a lot of history to go through and a lot of mm. shit that you can find easily because they're like one of the biggest fucking rock bands yeah, in the yeah. world, right? So I'll just like sort of paint a picture to like bring it up to this record. So to understand because there's so many like working parts and the people that are in it are like, you know, uh, they all have their own stories and stuff, but not Shell. Um, it basically comes from the band Caius, and they're from the desert in California. Yeah. As you would know, you'd be Great band. probably... Yeah, yeah. Love and like a band that I've never fully got behind, but mm-hmm. riff-wise, great. Music-wise, great. Could Just could never like stomach yeah. the vocals, vocals and whatever, are, right? The so, vocals are hard to, to, yeah, to it's Yeah, for, for that kind of music, you know, just not my sort of taste. Anyway, so they, they come about, uh, uh, tour a lot through the 90s, ended up being friends a lot with that kind of uh, crew that's getting around at that point and a lot of people in LA and Seattle and all of that. They um, finally supported, well, they supported uh, Motorhead at a point on a tour and supported mm. uh, Metallica in Australia, which I think they did, out, which is like yeah. a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, they split in 95. Uh, Josh Homme moved up to Seattle and studied um, and then in that time becomes a touring guitarist for the Screaming Trees who the singer of is uh, Mark Lanigan who then later on down the track is, in, with, is on this record <laughs> on this record right so then um, after that point heads back to California starts the band oh no maybe that happened in Seattle I don't know uh, but he starts the band Gamma Ray which is kind of like the you know, uh, beginning stages of this, like Matt Cameron from um, fucking Pearl Jam Soundgarden yeah, yeah. and all of that. He plays drums on the original thing and, like, it's this kind of mix of all these people who are around at that time. Um, some early versions of If Only and Born to Hula and stuff are done through that time. Um, then they end up doing, well, he ends up recording the first Queens of the Stone Age record with um, Alfredo Hernandez, who's the drummer from Caius. Mm. Um, he asks Mark Lanigan to sing on the record, but Mark Lanigan can't. Um, um, after they've recorded it, and they, as well as Dave Catching, who does like a bunch of stuff with them later on. Um, yeah, and then it comes out that then later then they go and do Rated R by 2000 and they're starting to sort of get their sound together. Blah, blah, blah. Um, funnily enough, I found out also that Rob Halford is on the first song of that record, which is, is 
Yeah. So apparently the story goes, yeah, so, you know, the nicotine value yeah. in marijuana, ecstasy and alcohol, which also another side note is him listing off a drug cocktail he'd had from a big fucking bender weekend. <laughs> so basically trying to work out all the shit that he'd consumed in a weekend. Anyway, um, they were pra- they were recording at the same place. Well, they were recording at Sound City, and I think I'm just kind of putting the pieces together here. I'm pretty sure Rob Halford was there doing something at the same time. Yeah, and they ran into him, and he heard what they were talking about, and he's like, "Oh, the old rock and roll cocktail. I know that one." They were like, "Do you want to come in and sing on it?" So he does guest vocals on that part, and he's listed on the record How as the doing fuck that. Fuck! Didn't I know that? That's yeah, that's blown fucking- my mind. Funny, bro. Funny. That's why I've got to tell this story because there's just so many like little <laughs> funny things, you know, because it's such a collaborative band and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's just all these little pieces to it. Um, anyway, um, you know, and that's kind of like so going from self-titled for people who don't know, that's kind of like kind of kiasy, kind of moving in a new direction of like yeah. rock and all of that kind of stuff. Once they get to Rated R, it's very much more, in my opinion, a lot more sort of straightforward sort of going yeah. in that rock path. And arguably some of their best songs to me are on those two records as you know as well. Mm. Um, and they're very close seconds to Songs of the Deaf. But then it comes up to Songs of the Deaf time when they go to do this record. Um, Dave Grohl had apparently been asking them for a long time to join he originally wanted to uh drum on rated r which was 2000 yeah and then ended up obviously they needed a drummer at this point and uh yeah so he comes in he delayed uh the foo fighters record one by one just to do this record yeah yeah and put the band on hiatus um what else have I got written here? Um, oh, yeah, the guy who recorded it, Eric Valentine, which is pretty funny. Um, and for also if people want to know, there's like a pretty good YouTube video of him like going through how they recorded all the guitars yeah. for it or just doing an example of it if you've seen the, it. The um, video, the vi- there's also like a four-part thing of them recording the record too. Yeah, YouTube, yeah, which that is awesome. as well, yeah. which is really cool too. Um, but he was sort of going through like how they sort of got the tone of the guitars and all that kind of shit anyway. But, uh, in a lot of stuff that I'd heard, um, they hated working with him because they were saying that he was kind of like a reptile that was basically sent from Interscope, the, Mm -hmm. the, um, label. Yeah. And, um, he is credited as a bunch of shit, but what I found most funny is like third eye blind, you know, semi-charm kind of like, yeah. Um, Smash Mouth, so like <laughs> All Star and all that fucking shit. Anyway, it's so funny, like you know, this guy works on this record, which is so not that kind of stuff. No, but uh, I mean, you know, if he's if he was sort of at least even just an engineer and got the sounds out of it, he did fucking fantastic job. Because I reckon this, yeah, I record mean, sounds as good as it is because of that. So yeah. yeah, like he, I mean. I think one of the big things about this record too that, I mean, it came out like years and years later, obviously, but you Mm. can get the whole, you can get the drum sample pack from this record. Really? Yeah. So I guess, I don't know if it was him or someone put, put like the Pro Tools um, session of each of like, I just, I guess like the mic checks of each of the, the drums and stuff. Yeah. And um, I exist we used those samples on yes. 
on our this record store day seven inch thing we did with resist like years ago mm. but we record we recorded the drums in murph who plays drums in our exist we recorded in his living room and yeah. i mean it sounded fine but it was just like you could tell it wasn't recorded perfectly in a studio yeah. so we had to kind of replace the drums a bit uh, okay. and we and jason from blood duster who um mixed it he was just like hey i i have this like drum sample pack thing from dave grohl's drums on songs to the deaf amazing he was like i've been meaning to fuck around with it would you mind if i put them on this and i was like please do that i'm sure it's gonna make it sound heaps better and like I mean, I don't think you can tell it's, that it's been replaced, but it's like mm. the whatever he did, you know, credit to Jason as well, whatever blend he did of the Dave Grohl samples and the actual yeah. the actual drums that were recorded are like made it sound so good for what was like literally us recording in a living room, you know? Like- yeah, yeah, that's so good, dude. I have to fucking check that out now because I want well, to hear that. They're, they're great because, I mean, I think that's another big thing for me about this record is just like and that's why i really like the the that four part thing on youtube and them recording because it's like mm. it shows how i mean i think this record for queens becomes the first record where they start getting real like exploratory in the studio as well like yeah like yep. doing lots of weird shit like having lots of keys on stuff having strings mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. you know which is a lot more than they have that stuff on their other records, but it's like levels up and to the yeah. point where now it's like every song has that now in that yeah. in, in this band. But on this record is where they start really fucking with it a, a bit more, I think. Yeah. But even just like the video, like, I mean, there is a vi- in that video thing, there is them just figuring out on the spot with Dave Grohl, like how to do that, the starter song for the dead. Like he's like, yeah. you know, they're like, no, don't yeah. do that. Like play it. And one of the, my favorite quotes is like, play it dumber like play it worse (laughs) and to me that's just like that's perfect because i mean i reckon i've had that conversation like so many times too like and like i guess as a drummer i know how difficult can that be that can be rather when someone's like you know just play a fill here and then they play it and you and all in your head you you're just trying to say like no don't be like I don't want you to be showing off. I just want you to like do something yeah. to break it up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, or as a lead into another part or something. Mm. Yeah, but it's just yeah, it's funny like that. Like seeing them all collaborate on that. And, like, yeah. So sort of to bring it back to like that time and the kind of members in the band and stuff. Like you, if you watch a lot of their live clips from you know day dot when they start through to rated R. Yeah, you know, through the self-titled, through to rated R, and then up to this point, like a lot of the shows they play the lineup, and that it's just not quite perfect, and like yeah. the vibe isn't right between like everyone, like not so much like you can tell personally or anything. It's just the way that they play their instruments and like sort of the way they are on stage. Yeah, you know, it starts to get a lot more fun around rated R time, mm. but when they get this lineup, like particularly and and I, I would say that like even though yeah dave Grohl was kind of the one he only ever did the sort of promo tour before the yeah. record came out and then once it was out joey he c was, was in playing yeah, yeah. straight away and then you know you could interchange either of them it doesn't matter to me like either of those lineups of those five people it's like makes this time 
in that band and this record and everything kind of to me their peak and like how you know just everything sort of worked together in that yeah in that time just made it so good and that's kind of like a big part of it as well i guess you know yeah it's like uh i don't know there's just so many sort of working parts to it and that like yeah it's funny how you're talking about even just layers and stuff you it's kind of like another one of those things that the more i feel like i listen to it i pick up on like yet another layer and here's another like vocal part i never noticed before and here's another like fucking tambourine i hadn't heard before (laughs) or like just there's so many little things that they've just layered in there but like tastefully obviously it's not oversaturated but it's just like yeah it's crazy it's just this like sort of treasure trove of all this yeah it's just really well composed music i don't know it's um yeah well i mean with that stuff too like it's it is also I mean, not just the instrumentation, but it's certainly like the first record of theirs where like the songs start getting real, like the structures start sort of abandoning standard song structures as well. And I mean, there's like, I think there's like three or four songs on the record that are like six plus minutes as well, which is like for what is arguably like, this is probably considered like a modern radio rock record, really. 100%. Yeah. But it's got, like, I mean, those songs aren't, like... I mean, they're obviously not, like, the the songs that get played on, you know, played on the radio. But at the same Shit. time, they're not, like... They're good songs. They they have their place on the record kind of thing. But, yeah, like, I mean... Like, even songs like uh, God Is In The Radio, like... I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, like, that, that song fucking rules. And it's got such a, like catchy guitar solo part and things like that oh, yeah you know yeah. And, and like it's really interesting for me that yeah that this i mean obviously this record popped off because of it does have really good songs on it but that it's it is quite interesting that if you compare it to the earlier stuff and and even some of like the things following it it does have what i feel is like quite a lot more i mean i guess exploratory type music and maybe yeah. that's because there's like I mean, so many people contributed yeah. to it, like 14 yeah, people true. contributed to it or something like that, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, like, why I sort of had to add in the, like, the lead up to yeah, that, yeah. like, the, the, the music prior and the people who came prior. Because to me, the music, when you listen to those first two records, is like working out how to get to this record. It's sure. kind of like the, the path to this one. Like, the first record's still Kaius here. It's a bit more jammy and it's a lot more weird. It's almost got like more, I don't know, I kind of want to say like Melvin's sort of like weird shit going on in there. But mm. then I would say one of the downfalls I feel of like Rated R, as much as I love it, it's it's very straightforward. It's very like, yeah. it's very rock and it's very refined, like almost too much. And like, I feel like with this record, they strike that perfect balance. You get a lot of the catchiness and a lot of the, straightforward you know straightforward song structures but then you get a lot of the jammy like weirdness and kind of you know uh, just all of that stuff that makes it not so like kind of boring and yawn if you yeah, know yeah. I mean, you know? like well i think um, i think another thing that stuck out to me the first time i heard like the the record in full when i i mean i guess i bought it on cd when i was in school but like mm. i think it was like one of the first things that i ever connected with kind of being like being a concept album of sorts like how how it's like you know the 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 concept i suppose is that it is someone listening to the radio and all the songs uh as they drive 
they're going through different radio stations. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I mean, I wonder, I don't, and I don't know, I can't remember if it's like they talk about it in the video or not, or if they talked about it in interviews and things like that, but like, but whether that was a conscious thing going into it or whether that was something that they did after they'd finished the music thinking like, oh, this would be a good way to link how all of this is so, how it does yeah. kind of have different vibes than every song, you know? Yeah, I think a bit of both. I'm pretty yeah. sure I read somewhere because I did a reasonable amount of research trying to like, you know, get the right facts and stuff to <laughs> come into this. But I did, I do think I read that Josh Homme had sort of said that he was always had this record in his head and yeah, always yeah. had that <laughs> idea going in his head. But I think once they really put the songs together for it, they needed a way to tie it all together because it's sure. so musically diverse and it, it covers so much different ground. I, how, whoever they like, however they fucking came up with that idea, it yeah. just is like the perfect way to tie it all in. Yeah, and um, I mean, even to like, even to touch on like more collaborators yet again is like all the people who do all the little yeah. fucking yeah. interludes and shit. It's yeah. so funny, like. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just like so many, cl- and like I almost remember those just as much as I remember the songs. Like I've listened to the records so many fucking times of like all the different, like all the different little interludes and stuff here and there. So yeah, it's uh, it's funny, but yeah, it's a genius idea. Like, yeah, and like and same as you, I feel like this is probably I don't man, I don't really remember where my head was at, was at back then, but. I do reckon this is probably when I started to work out, oh, this is like um, a way to tie music together and yeah, like yeah. a way to get from A to B on a record rather than just like, I like this song and I like this song and I like this song, but like they're just songs, you know? Yeah. Well, I think this is probably one of the first things that I remember listening to where I was like, like when writing music myself, it mm. it sort of started teaching me a bit, I guess, to be like, Oh, you don't just write one song. Like you write, you write yeah. in in playing music like this, I suppose, or playing in the mm-hmm. style of music that I've been playing is like the goal is to create like a piece of work. It's not to just create a single thing, you know. Yeah. Um. And I mean that the whole radio travel part of this is really what stuck out. I mean, so I have. I have all death metal all the time tattooed on me because it was like the sickest line ever because it focuses in Queens of the Stone Age and death metal in two passions of mine in the same same beat. But like, I remember like when I was, if anyone would ever talk, like bring up this record, the first thing that would ever come to my head about it was just all death metal all the time. And like, all death metal all the time it's so funny to like associate <laughs> queens of the stone age with a line about death metal but you know that's, that's i'm pretty sure the bit that comes before that if i remember it correctly it's like oh krdl the girdle <laughs> elastic acid with you here in chino hills the last frontier and then it goes into that yeah all death metal all the time and then it's like six shooter or something if i remember correctly yeah yeah you got yeah it. yeah it's it i mean but i think i think for me like i think this yeah the 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 record as a whole i think probably as well if i think back on the time that i was listening to this music this probably was like when i started to like comfortably accept as well that i didn't 
just need to listen to metal because that's not <laughs> that's like not where I came from musically, but it's where I ended up. And yeah, I mean, I think I mean being a teenager and all my friends also just like trying to out brutal each other every week, like <laughs> growing our hair, wearing black shirts, who's got the most brutal shirt on, kind of thing. Damn. Yeah, but well, think- that's funny because, like, I almost was, like, I just, like, was a rage kid, so, and, yeah. like, none of my <laughs> friends liked metal. It was literally, like, I knew no one, like, my older sister kind of liked a bit of it and her friends, she was hanging around at the time, liked metal, but I was just, I was, like, the only person who I knew who was into it. So it well, there like- wasn't, there wasn't, like, it wasn't like there was a huge group of us, it was just, like, five guys who ended up like we ended up becoming a you know we were just the five guys in our grade who liked metal and the guy the the same five people in the year above us like punk so like we yeah. had to be different and like metal and then <laughs> those five guys who liked punk were in a band mm. a punk band and then us five guys were in a metal band so it was like there wasn't just that- staring at each other yeah. from across the schoolyard there wasn't that much to it but i mean i think for sure this was like this was where i started i think being cool with like oh okay i don't just need to listen to like it doesn't every record doesn't just need to get more and more heavy like i can listen to Mm. things that are off the side of that um and i think another thing for me with this so one of my other like real connections with this record is i I was so I was, I was playing drums and like I was playing in like you know this metal band with my friends but I was also playing in like the school jazz band at the time. Yeah. And one of the assignments we had to do I feel I I it, I might be slightly off here but one of the assignments we had to do was forming a forming like a group within the class like the band class and mm. playing a song at a assembly. Yeah. And I play. I was like, there was two drummers, so I had to. I ended up playing like five songs, and so did the other drummer. But <laughs> one of the ones that I was in that I picked the song for because no one else liked metal, but I could. I managed to convince them to play "Go with the Flow" because it's like, nah. to me, yeah. to me, I was like, this is so sick because I can just smash that beat the whole time. Um, yeah. but because of the singing, like the people in the band, were like, oh, this is okay. Like, I, I like the singing, you know, we got away, yeah. <laughs> we got away with playing it. But I just, I like, I think back now, like, so I would have been in like year nine or something and mm. I can only imagine how bad that was, like how oh, bad the cover fully. of Go yeah. With The Flow. And we had a, oh. we had a piano player playing the single key, like ding, 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 ding. Oh, ding, man. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, well, we, similarly, I do remember at some point in high school doing, as like a school band thing for, I feel like it was just for music, a weird mix of people who I was kind of with and whatever, but they this is kind of the band where i was like oh you know we could play this because like this is something we can all agree on you know yeah and that was the song we chose was not um it was uh fucking no one knows yeah and uh yeah i remember being playing bass because <laughs> there was a better guitar player than me and i could just play the <laughs> fucking oh yeah yeah. Well, there's effectively a bass solo in that song. There's a bit where it's oh yeah, it's, it's oh, on man. its own, I man. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. No. I just mouth music it into the mic. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, 
I think so. This dragon for me was like fully a yeah. It was like a it was like a game changer musically for me. Yeah. But also like I think it's it's I kind of am surprised that I it's one of those records that I've been as into it since the first time I heard it as I yes. am now kind of thing. Yes, exactly. And that's like another thing because I was like thinking about it. I was like, you know, I could have chose like any other record too because there's so many fucking yeah. good records out there. But as far as like even like not just for me but even just like culturally as far as where music was at at the time mm. and then like where it went afterwards because of this, I feel like this was kind of like a bit of a a turning point as far as like music and rock and you know like guitar music goes in the like sort of popular sense i guess yeah, yeah and it's just such a like game changer but it wasn't dated like i can still listen to it now and i don't feel like it's yeah like obviously i know when it came from and whatever but i just don't feel like it's stuck in that time no it's still just as valid now musically and like as a piece of work it's yeah i don't know and like same like similarly i can listen to it at any point and i still like i said i'm like constantly listening to it still finding stuff that i like about it still enjoying it still getting enjoyment and like funnily enough even stuff like no one knows the you know full dad rock song on the record is yeah. still i'm not sick of it even though yeah, i yeah, way too much because of the radio I'm, it's like usually with that kind of shit i'd be like oh fuck this song and like whatever but i can still get behind it and i can i still love it it's like you know very rare that that would happen <laughs> yeah yeah big time oh i mean it's i think it's just like it's sort of your your i guess interest in it and your love for it ends up transcending the you know the outside opinion on it or what you know the regularity of hearing it i guess yeah i, mean, I guess so but you know like when you hear something too much on radio and you just yeah like, oh, fucking, uh, you know like that's kind of the yuck song on the record that's not to me no like it's it doesn't get that to me like i don't i start that hasn't tainted any part of it for me and yeah. same with go for the Flo- go with the flow like it's you know sort of similarly one of the big you know uh, singles off it water and they're just as they were when they came out mm. so yeah it's um yeah it's funny just like so much of like you know i was listening to this other thing and they were talking about all the music that was around at the time and like all these bands like just so much just trash that was going around oh yeah and like and then you know and then this comes along and it's like really just and it's funny because like when they were doing it i was like hearing that yeah the, the record label interscope this massive fucking record label are going no don't do that and like trying to like back and forth through all the copies of it with Josh Homme saying like, no, nah, don't, don't put the record thing in like the radio samples and stuff in there. Yeah, we yeah. don't like that. People won't like this song. Like we need more hits, like all this kind of stuff. And they still kind of did exactly what they wanted and basically yeah. proved them wrong. And it became to me, one of the biggest rock records of sort of modern music history. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I think that's like time and again, proven that like, Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's really like ever like a, you know, a popularly known time in history where a record label has given a band <laughs> yeah, exactly. musical instruction and it's been a good idea. <laughs> like, the re- yeah, the reptiles don't have their finger on the pulse. That's 100% no. sure. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's- I think, I think, uh, like, uh, I guess another big thing for me with this record is that like, um, I, I, so the first time I saw them was, 
the tour here doing um the next record lullabies like it's yeah the release tour for that so i saw them mm-hmm. on the tour for that and um this was i think one of the first bands where my sister who's two years younger than me was like equally as into something as i was yeah yeah she then you know me and her ended up getting on really well with music for quite a long time obviously it's sort of you know diverted apart a bit now but i mean this was one of the first things where i remember like me and her both being like we fucking love this thing (laughs) and our so i guess i can't i mean i definitely wasn't 18 when that record came out and She's two years younger than me, so she obviously wasn't as well. But my mum drove us to Sydney because we were living in Canberra. She drove us mm. to Sydney to watch them, and my what mum legend. went out like went out for dinner, and then did maybe went to a movie or something. Yes, what and a then legend. and then came back and picked us up and drove us halfway back to Canberra before she got too tired. So we had to stay at a motel. And I remember like, <laughs> I remember the first time I ever went on a tour, seeing that town and thinking to myself, like, it's so funny that at one point in time, my mom couldn't drive three hours at night to, after, <laughs> after having it's had- It's a treacherous drive, yeah, I will say. After having dinner and a movie. <laughs> and we had to stay like, but the, it was so cool that she was like, yeah, I'll drive you guys to Sydney to go watch yeah, this band that you both like. Um, yeah. And I, one of my other like big funniest moments of that show was I was so psyched because obviously being a young metal dude at the time, I was like so psyched to go to the show and buy a shirt like obvi- all metal dudes are. Like I wanted to be, <laughs> you know, in there first thing I did buy a shirt. And we were were walking up and there was like one of the few times I feel like in sort of modern or modern times that I've seen this, but it was at the Roundhouse in Sydney. Mm. And my, as we were walking up from like where my mum dropped us off, there was a dude selling like bootleg shirts. And my sister was like, oh, this shirt's like five bucks. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to buy one of these. And so she bought this shirt and it was like a sick design. It was cool. And then we went inside and I bought a, like, obviously a licensed piece of merchandise. And when we got back to Canberra, like the, the first time she washed her $5 t-shirt, she put it in the washroom and took it out and then put it on and then like screamed from her room. And I was like, what happened? And she turned around and like, as she'd pulled it on over her head, the collar had just completely ripped off the shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and I was like, I just remember teasing her for so long about the difference in the $5 bootleg versus a, you know, (laughs) proper shirt. You knew better as the older brother. I did. Say from now on. Now you buy the real one. But I yeah. think I think now she actually I think she may still have that shirt too. So really? I mean the the she one just turned it into a complete cutoff, cut the sleeves well, off no, and everything. I think I think she has my shirt. Like I think I think I got too fat and so she has the merch that I bought <laughs> from, from that show. The first time I ever saw him was um not until I was eighteen. I didn't really go to a lot of shows until like I didn't fucking know anyone into like heavier music or anything and then not until like sort of later later high school or like at least even people who are willing to go to shows yeah so i didn't really start 
going to like any show, like even hardcore and stuff like that. I didn't really go to anything until I was pretty much out of school or at least almost about to finish school. And the year after I was out of school, so 2008, they came out um, and I saw them then. And that was sick from memory in the old palace. Do you ever go to the palace here in Melbourne yeah, yeah. at any yep. point? Yeah. Yeah. That great venue. But, um, mm. yeah, I saw him there and that was fucking cool. And I've still got a poster, you know, I can't fuck it out. I still got a poster from, um, from that show that was like a sort of limited run kind of yeah, thing sick. sort of rolled up and with the intention of someday putting it up in a frame. But, um, yeah, that was really cool. And I, th- and I, remember listening a lot to Errol Volgaris at the time and stuff. And that's kind of like not, you know, the two records that followed that, that still had Joey C in the band. I, I don't know. I still like, I reckon the first three are the best, but there's notable mentions. There's still some yeah. good songs. Oh, on there absolutely. And they still weren't sort of, you know, completely like I kind of can't really cop the new shit, like anything. Yeah. Of sure. The last two records, um, just personally, but, um, yeah, like uh, I, I was, I was trying to work that out too. I was like, you know what? Kind of going back to like the lineup of them. Um, I will also say uh, quickly too that I saw them again in 2011, and they were doing a lot more stuff. Like I don't know, they were doing um, maybe it was like a 10 year anniversary of Rated R or something, and they were yeah. doing like heaps of stuff off Rated R and the first record because I remember them playing like Avon and Regular John and all stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, which was fucking cool. And they did it really well too. It wasn't like, you know, rockified or anything. It was very yeah. true to the, the original. Anyway, um, yeah, coming into this, I was like trying to, you know, I sort of said like those, that sort of lineup of five dudes, like sort of what made them, you know, like what makes it special. And like obviously you can kind of go, yeah, Dave Grohl and like whatever, but a big part of that band for me and like what maybe I feel like what I – got out of that band at that time and that sort of lineup and everything is that um was nick oliveri like Mm. he was to me a big part of that sound and a big part of that um yeah just a you know i guess just a sort of a big sort of driving force in that band and making it what it was and i guess bringing a lot of the sort of heavier elements and when i started like diving into them as people and finding out like kind of where they come from as far as like musically and what their influences were like a lot of their influences just come from fucking punk rock. Like, yeah, they were, yeah. you know, like Absolutely. Nick Oliveri says that what changed his life, he went to a fucking Cro-Mags show and it was yeah. like same as um, like when Joey C, I was listening to this one with him and he was saying he saw, Oh fuck. I can't remember now. Uh, X and Maybe it was Cro-Mags as well. Mm. Shit, I can't remember. But he was saying, you know, that was like something that changed his life. And obviously he's like, a, you know, if you know him and his history, like he's played in great punk bands and whatever. And and then, of course, uh, Josh Homme, same thing. Like, you know, he was into, you know, Black Flag and all these fucking yeah, yeah. great punk bands of that time. And I kind of feel like maybe if you can trace that back, maybe that's where a lot of that, like, and if you kind of listen to the record, you can hear a lot of that at, like, punk sort of ferocity and shit in the influence of the sound and that's kind of and not only literally only until i started like looking into it it's like because i was like maybe you'd ask me why like i like it and i was like i don't even fucking know why i like it i just like it but then i was like maybe it's this shit like i don't know like yeah well i mean there's there's songs that have i mean every song nicola very sings on is him screaming (laughs) and like 
I mean, well, except for yeah, except for um, fuck, what's the other one? Uh, another love song. Yeah, and gonna leave you. There is here is is clean ones, but yeah, most yeah. like punk fucking like yeah. slamming songs. Well, yeah, like I mean, but, um, yeah, millionaire. Like the start of the record effectively is a like could be a punk song, you know? <laughs> like, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah great song yeah. and uh yeah like another funny thing too talking about song for the deaf and i'd never picked this up but uh it's a the drum part from the start of a, um not song for the deaf song for the dead sorry um track four is the drum part at the start of that's from it's completely ripped from slip it in by black flag yeah yeah and i was like what the fuck like i've listened to that record a bunch before and went back and listened to it and i was like how did i never put that together it's like full the same fucking exact same drum part yeah but yeah i was like it's just funny you know like going back and you can kind of like trace all their like just the people that were in the band at that time and like all of their sort of influence because influences combined and stuff like um you know obviously you've got dave Grohl and mark lanagan are the sort of seattle collect- connection mm. like they're, you know, obviously Dave Grohl, you don't have to really say, but, you know, Nirvana and all that sort of punk shit. But um, Mark Lanigan, same kind of thing. He was good friends with Kurt Cobain and yeah. um, fucking, what's his name? Dylan Carlson from Earth and mm. all these, like, you know, people from around that time. And then you've got, um, yeah, Joey C, like, his massive punk dude and, like, kind of, riffs, like, can give him mad props because, like, he played for fucking Glenn Danzig. Like, yeah. it's this, you know, gig yeah. playing for him for seven years. Like, goes, you know, grows up playing punk bands or whatever, big Misfits fan, ends up playing for Glenn Danzig and then gets the offer to do the Queens and leaves Glenn yeah. Danzig to then do <laughs> Songs for the Deaf. Like, just after that, like, literally when that's come out, like, one of the biggest rock records ever, he ends up touring and, you know, collaborating with them for the mm. next 10 years or whatever. And then and then leaves like he's like, I I've never actually heard him explicitly say it, but like it's probably I don't know maybe their like direction was not suiting him personally or something because yeah. he would have been, you for sure making like a pretty good crust off oh, like touring and like you know contributing to albums and you know being played on Triple M and shit. I mean, I and guess then, he's like I mean he's played in fucking trash talk now and fully the like, Bronx yeah. and stuff. So I mean I guess. Yeah. Maybe I mean he's probably a person who's got a little bit more connection with what he what he wants to do musically, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And like yeah, you know, like I was listening to this thing with him and you know, when he went and did um Blood Clot, if you've listened to that, and yeah. I I really liked that and that's like funny as he was like, Yeah, I'm just really psyched and another thing I'd listened to with Nick Oliveri, he was talking about doing that and they were both just like, Yeah, it's it's sick because, you know, we we get to play with like John Joseph and Todd Youth and shit and like yeah. You know, just because they were big fans of, you know, New York punk hardcore and, like, that's yeah. just a, you know, I guess, like, that, to me, if you kind of, like, go back again to around this time and the people who are in that band, they're just, they're, like, sort of punk kids and they're, like, psyched on fucking making yeah. music and then I guess a big part of that comes out in this record and, like, maybe I'm just spinning shit out my ass. I don't know, but I kind of feel like that's a, like there's a lot of undertones of that when you really sort of dig for it. Oh, like, no. Yeah, there's for, like for sure. I think like I was even one of the notes I made when I listened to it yesterday was like like there are parts of this record that are like could stri- could be like straight up you know hard uh, like metal stuff 
as well. hundred percent. Like, yeah. And it's it's interesting that they managed to ride a line of like doing that and then also having like punk parts, but then having like you know, very, very chilled out things and songs that get into yeah. the vibe of like like Spanish guitar playing and stuff yeah, too. Man. Like it really mixes it up in there, you know? Yeah, it's crazy how they managed to just like again, why I had to pick this record. It's just they've managed to just fit so many like so many genres that have similarities but don't but then make it sound cohesive as a record like front to back yeah and um yeah it's uh it's funny another story finally like i'd always sort of listen to this for fucking ever basically but um i'd always i've listened to it a lot traveling yeah and late late last year i was uh in the states and i was going from la driving on my own and there was uh, and I was meant to be going to meet my girlfriend in uh, Las Vegas. And I was like, um, and there was this big storm coming through. And I was like, it was going to come in in the morning and whatever. And I was like, ah, fuck, like, all right, I'm going to have to leave a lot earlier than I'd planned. I was just planning to cruise there and whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get up real fucking early. And I'm going to drive from LA through the morning and then like try and get to Vegas by, I don't know, it was like six or seven in the morning or something sure. just to try and beat all the storm. And the record that I put on driving from like Silver Lake out there, out into the fucking desert was this record. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, not the same direction as driving out to Joshua Tree, but like mm. driving in out into the fucking desert with this record just pumping and i was just drumming away like <laughs> flying down the interstate like full speeding across the desert and um yeah i just ended up listening to queens of stone age pretty much the whole drive and it's like perfect just driving music oh yeah like, big time perfect traveling perfect driving like just a, a saga what's the saga it's songs <laughs> for the death you can't even hear it it's so yeah, good it's, man uh, like i think yeah it's they they captured they certainly like captured that idea so well and like yeah I 100%. mean yeah when I listened to it yesterday I was driving <laughs> and it was like yeah and it's even though I mean I was driving through the probably the exact opposite like driving through Melbourne fucking cold as fuck pissing down <laughs> rain but <laughs> it yeah. um it you know it certainly got that vibe on it which is sick yeah dude fucking millionaire don't you just want to like go yeah. 500 miles <laughs> like just flying to that song yeah you know, it's just like and and so many others but yeah it's just uh it's one of those records do you have do you have uh three favorite songs off it because i definitely have three i was trying to think of like um, i was trying to think of them but it was pretty easy i didn't have to think too much well g- give me yours <laughs> my three personally uh number one would be do it again okay and number two Two and three tied. Basic. I can't really choose, but God is in the radio and a song for the deaf. They're my like top okay. three. Oh, big. So a big like side B. Yeah, yeah, hundred. Yeah, the last sort of side of the side of the record. And and funnily enough, too, like when I was younger. So like this is kind of a record I wouldn't skip songs on. Yeah. And definitely, I have songs that I'm probably not uh, like quite as fond of as others. You know, I'm not saying it's a perfect record. I'm not saying every song's great but um i used to skip gonna leave you a lot but mm-hmm. i fucking love that song these days and like i ended up that same like trip i did last year i was you know dro- we drove a lot did a lot of like national parks and just drove through the middle of fucking nowhere america yeah and i was listening to that song a lot and just like drumming along to it and it just had such a good like 
feel you know like i don't yeah. know it's just real good like tempo and yeah anyway that just an honorable mention to that one too but yeah massive side b for me do you have three that like stand out to you personally i think god is in the radio um and then probably i mean probably millionaire and yeah um maybe like a tie between hanging tree and sky is falling I think... Yeah, so good. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, maybe, yeah, probably Hanging Tree. Probably Hanging yeah. Tree. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I think... I think for me, yeah, it is... It, it really is just one of those records where, like... I mean, and I, I would say, like, probably a bit differently to you, but, like, I, I think they're a band who I think, like, every record has a good song or two, but I think yeah. the first three are, like, all good records. And then yes. after that, it's, like there's songs on each one that are good yeah Yeah, Um, i would agree yeah but i mean for me like i I, and it's quite funny because i would like i would even say like i've probably listened to the self-titled record the most of all like yeah now like i don't know just i really love i love the tone on that record and i really love the full sounds like the desert a yeah yeah and a lot of those songs really click with me but i mean there's no denying that this is like i mean it's like a you know, it's one of those like it it it's like comfortably sitting in like all time greatest records kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, easily. Yeah. I was having that chat with one of my best mates, um, who is a like massive, massive Queens fan and like we've yeah, spent many, many times listening to them and he was sort of saying that that like, yeah, he's like, Oh my um my favorite for so much so much of the time has been the self-titled because that's kind of the one that really got me into it you know like avon and regular yeah, yeah. john and like all these kind of like you know and even like later stuff in the record as well but yeah he was kind of reminded when i was saying i was doing this he's like yeah this this record's just sort of so front to back good and yeah, like absolutely. i kind of again like going back to those first two records it's they're very close like a very close second to this to mm. me like i kind of i listen to them almost as much or almost pretty much exactly the same amount like i sort of go through those go through those just as much it's just that this as a record like front to back is a it's what gets you yeah it's just one of those ones it's just front to back like a you know a story like it's like this yeah i don't know yeah it's a it's the saga it's a gem it's it that's (laughs) it that's it it's fully a saga and funnily enough like again talking about stuff you can just get out of it time and time again I was, like, thinking about how, like, Song for the Deaf finishes and, like, you know, it's, like, this kind of, like, crescendo to the record, this kind of mm. the climax of the record and, and you know, the, the music in it is so good. You know, they've got this at the end, this huge, fat, thick, like, droning guitar at the end, like, almost sun-like. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> And then it goes into Mosquito Song, yeah. and which is a technically a hidden track. And I like that, you know, it's a bit of a sort of skipper song for me. But then I was like, you know what? This is like the credit music. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah absolutely. Like if, if the credits were to roll on the record, that's the That'd credit music that you would hear. Like, yeah. Yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's just funny how like it's just got all these little things that I just keep like finding from it. And it's, I've listened to it like to death and it's just like, fuck it. Well, that... <laughs> I mean, that's Going like on for hours about all the little like bits that I find. Yeah, I mean, and that's nothing you can you can't really ask for much more from a record when it's got the 
I mean, the playability and the replayability mm. to keep you interested in it, you know, yeah. over years and years and years, you know? Yeah, entirely, exactly right. And that's the thing, you know, so many records, like, they kind of come and go and you, they come into points of your life. And I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone. This is just for me. And I yeah. would hope that a lot of people feel the same. Like, I kind of wonder if young kids could pick this up now and be like, yeah, this is a, you know, get into it just as much. Or maybe it's just a time and place thing that it yeah, got sure. like you or I at the right time. But like, yeah, it's just one of those things that like, you know, a lot of other records, you, as much as you love them, they can kind of come and go in your life and maybe they do come back or maybe they're just for one point in your life. But this is just like finally the one record or the one, those first three, but like this one record has just been like one that's just stayed no matter you know, no matter what I've been into or vibing on or, like, what's been the hype at the time, I've always come back to this. It's, like, a kind of just a stay up. <laughs> yeah, that's And I would sick. think it's probably that for a lot of people, I would think, like, just guessing. But, yeah. Well, I mean, that's... You can't really ask for much more from a record, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, um, let's, uh, let's fucking call it there. But yeah, we've beaten this horse. Um, thank you very much for talking about th- this with me. It was uh, yeah, it's a fucking good record, you know. And I'm glad. 100. I'm glad someone else has uh, a lot of strong feelings about it, like I do. It's great. Oh, exactly, bro. Yeah, we'll we'll talk again. We'll talk some other records some other time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for doing it, mate. Yeah, thank you.